with things to say tonight, folks. So thanks once again for tuning in to Corbett Report Radio. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, broadcasting to you live from the sunny climes of western Japan for this Wednesday night edition of the broadcast. And I will be your host here on RepublicBroadcasting.org for the next hour. So once again, thank you for tuning in. And it's uh, probably the most common piece of feedback that I get, or at least one of the most common things that people contact me about on CorbettReport.com or on Twitter now at Corbett Report, is people often want to talk about waking people up to the information that I and I think probably most of the listeners of this broadcast are, are thinking about and are preoccupied with so much of the time, including, of course, the false flag terror paradigm in which there are uh, indications that elements within the government itself and the intelligence agencies and uh, well, the strategically placed corporations, etc., are in fact staging the very types of terror attacks which are then used as justifications for wars, something that has occurred time and time and time again throughout history and is a documentable fact, but is something that most people would will have a very difficult time believing when it's uh, put to them that it is happening right now in our current political climate and context. And it's very overwhelming for a lot of people to understand how to bring people towards an understanding of this, how to wake people up to the truth, so to speak. And this is something that I, I get time and again from people who are contacting me, either people with very strong ideas about the best way to put this information forward, or asking me for my opinions about the way to put this information forward in a way that other people who uh, who express skepticism or doubt on these topics will start taking a look at the information. Because once again, it's pretty, I, I would say, a pretty much incontestable fact that when you start taking a look at the pieces of information that contradict the official story on so many things, including, of course, the seminal event of our times, 9-11, you start to find many, many troubling pieces that uh, that truly indicate that the official account of what happened that day cannot possibly be true. But it's always a question of how to introduce people to this information, and it's something that a lot of us are preoccupied with. So that's something that I want to take a look at tonight on this edition of the broadcast as we delve into the question of presenting this information to people and getting past the the, the barriers that they put up in their mind to shield them from this type of well, quite traumatic information. There's no doubt that once you start encountering this information, taking it on board, it can be quite traumatic, as we were talking about last night on the broadcast with Mark Russell. So tonight we're going to start taking a look at some different ideas and ways that people can perhaps get around those mental barriers and what it looks like when people actually do start to, to break that paradigm. And we're going to do so by recourse to an excellent short film that's up on Vimeo. It's called Blindfold. And for those of you listening live right now on republicbroadcasting.org or on KHF 1140 AM, I tweeted the link out to this uh, this video a, a couple of hours ago, so you can find it on twitter.com slash Report. There's a link there to the Vimeo uh, video. Or if you're listening later on in the archives, of course, the, this will be in the show notes for tonight's episode at corbettreport.com slash radio or on republicbroadcasting.org. So I hope you will go and take a, a look at this video. Absolutely incredible, uh, very, very powerful short film. And it's called Blindfold. Again, we'll leave it there for now. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking to the director of this film, and we'll be talking at, at length and in depth about uh, the, the issues that this film raises. But also, just on another note, as some of you may have heard, the uh, people who are subscribed to Bob Chapman's International Forecaster may have heard by now, 
Yes, I will, in fact, be writing this Saturday's edition of The Forecaster. Uh, just an incredible and humbling opportunity has come my way. Uh, Bob Chapman, as you may know, has been offloading some of his uh, interviews and scaling down uh, his some of his efforts, as I believe he's just turned 76 years old this year and still going strong, so still, uh, still doing lots of things. But he has asked me to write this uh, Saturday's edition of the newsletter and the possibility that I'll continue doing that in the future. So if you're not subscribed to the International Forecaster, might I humbly suggest this might be a good time for you to do so. And uh, incredibly big shoes to fill, but I will certainly be doing my best. So look forward to that this Saturday. And we'll be back with Keith Snyder, the director of Blindfold, right after this. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And anyone who's familiar with my work at CorbettReport.com will know that 9-11 Truth is one of the bedrock foundational issues which really prompted me to get into doing the work at Corbett Report and has been a mainstay of the work that I've been doing there for these last five years. And, of course, uh, like myself, I'm sure many of the people in the audience have had their own experience of coming to uh, understand the really horrific and grisly truth about 9-11 and the fact that we've been consistently and completely lied to about what really took place that day. And everyone has their own experience of that. And I also have no doubt that everyone who has had that experience has also had the experience of trying to introduce that information to others. Sometimes being successful, I certainly hope. Sometimes failing miserably, I imagine. And unfortunately, that's the way that this goes, because I don't believe there is any one particular way to no magic key that will unlock the door of people's minds and uh, and get them to understand this information all at one go and in every situation. So this is certainly an issue that we all have to face, and I think there's an excellent short film that has uh, been released in the last few months that goes into this, uh, this the psychology of someone really grappling with this information and the types of barriers that people put up against it. It is called Blindfold. Again, it's up on Vimeo, so once again, the uh, the link will be in the show notes for tonight's episode. And uh, this is about a, a widower father who is uh, struggling with his preteen daughter who has just given a presentation at her elementary school about the destruction, the demolition of the World Trade Center, Twin Towers. And this has caused a bit of controversy in the class. And he, uh, she end, ends up getting uh, served with a, a lawsuit uh, by one of the parents in the class, uh, one of the other uh, children who is disturbed by the information that she presented so uh so in fact the, the that person's father ends up suing this girl's father for having uh presented that information so let's listen to a short clip from that uh, that excellent video blindfold where the father goes to confront the father who has served his daughter with a lawsuit is this a joke It's not a joke. It's an appropriate response. Your daughter seems to think that she can say whatever she wants. And now she and her class know that there are repercussions for poor choices. You mean like my fist in your face? All right, sir, you know, I'm a lawyer. I'm used to being threatened. I understand that you're upset. So am I. Now, why don't you take a seat and we can discuss this? How in the hell can you think you're justified for picking on a 10-year-old girl over a show-and-tell presentation? I returned home late yesterday to find my wife very distressed. She said our son didn't want to be an American anymore. 
So I went upstairs to talk to him, and to my dismay, the reason for his confusion was because of some malicious propaganda that your daughter presented to the class. I then called Ms. Keaton to ask her to repeal the propaganda, but she refused. I can't believe I'm hearing this. It's a classroom, not a courtroom. My son attends that classroom to learn, not suffer. Can't do this. Sir, I am very well aware of what I can and cannot do. Now, if you'd bothered to read the summons, you would find that I'm not suing your daughter, I'm suing you. And that is only under the condition that she does not apologize. So, she has to say she's sorry or you'll make her sorry? You haven't thought this through, Mr. Lumley. Schools aren't interested in extremist views. They have a way of tainting reputations and spoiling future opportunities. Now I suggest for your daughter's sake that you persuade her to see how sorry she should be. You want an apology? I'm sorry you can't act like an adult. I'm sorry you're so petty. But I won't apologize for my daughter expressing herself, and neither will she. All right, once again, an audio clip from the short film Blindfold, again available on Vimeo and so many really important issues raised just in that clip alone and certainly i hope you will go and watch the entire video uh, in its entirety so you'll understand the context of that and how this all plays out but without further ado let's bring up the director of blindfold his name is t snyder t thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight thank you very much for having me excellent well i uh, i must admit i don't i don't really know much about yourself or your background uh, you got in touch with me to talk uh, to introduce your film to me and I, I thought it was a great film that really did touch on so many of these uh, these key points so i wanted to introduce it to the viewers but uh, and the listeners but uh, perhaps you can start by just telling us a little bit about yourself your background and uh, how you came to 911 Okay, sure thing. Um, my background is primarily as a writer. I started writing when I was 10 years old. I finished my first novel when I was 13, and I recently finished up my 10th book. Uh, so that's a total of six novels, a graphic novel, a short story collection, a poetry collection, uh, and then most recently a nonfiction book titled Play Reality, How Video Games Are Changing Everything, which I co-authored with my mother, who's a video game researcher and dream researcher, and that's kind of been my career. I went to film school a couple of years ago specifically to make Blindfold because I had had the idea for the short film, and I'd always wanted to kind of get into the uh, the industry, but um, uh, it didn't really, the, the calling that I had for it uh, didn't really come to me uh, until I came up with the idea for Blindfold. That was when I really just, I had that idea and I had to do it right away, and uh, I moved to New York after getting an industrial job and working that for about eight months or so to be able to save up and afford it. But even then, I was only really able to do it because of a family who I had living in New York, and New York was always a, a really big part of my life because of that. And, um, yeah, so I was, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to the New York Film Academy, and um, when I was there, I was also very fortunate to meet a wide variety of very talented people who helped contribute to bring the project to fruition and i'm very very pleased with what the the final film ended up being as well you should be i mean it's definitely an achievement and uh, and i think that sh it speaks to the fact that there's obviously been quite a bit of uh, work that's gone into this so tell us a little bit about the production of the film well, the production of the film was the thesis project. So it's actually technically a student film because it's the uh, the last project that I had of the year of film school that I went to do. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I, I um, the production was, I think we got six months to work on it beforehand, but I'd already written the uh, 
the script for it before moving to New York for that year. Uh, I, it's based on a short story of the same name that I had written before, which is, in a lot of cases, uh, almost verbatim, uh, the, the film relative to the short. And that's because I, uh, as I've mentioned, had the intention of moving to New York to make this thing happen. And also, like, uh, my aunt's house is where uh, they, like, Eve and uh, her father live. And I, I wrote the film with that location in mind to be able to film. So it, I began the process of pre-production long prior to the point that it was allocated uh, in the school that I went to. Uh, and when it actually came time to, to shoot it, I wasn't just ready. I was eager and very, very happy to be able to not only approach the subject in a way that I personally did not think that it had been done necessarily within the 9-11 Truth uh, movement, but also just to be able to uh, take that next step with all the people that I'd had the opportunity to meet and work with at that point. Well, you obviously uh, cared a, a great deal about the project to see it all the way through to fruition like that, and that speaks obviously to your uh, your ability to bring together a project which in itself is admirable uh, in any grounds, in any event, let alone in, in terms of an important project like this one. And uh, let's talk about why this idea in particular interested you so much and you, you did want to see it you know, come to fruition like this. Yeah, sure thing, um, and thanks for all your kind words. Uh, with regards to the film itself, uh, so I'll just film a little bit of history as far as my uh, exposure to the whole 9-11 truth movement before I, I go into that. Um, I came aware of it as a result of the documentary Zeitgeist, even though I don't necessarily think that that film did uh, the best job in presenting the issue. Nevertheless, it presented it and got me. So I just started to investigate things further, and through that process I came across Richard Gage and Architects for 9-11 Truth, as so many have, and that was when it really started to kind of bore its way into my brain that this wasn't just some hypothetical or uh, cute little possibility, it was empirical corroborated evidence worthy of a court of law that where really the easy thing was proving that this was the case. The hard thing was talking about it with other people. And that blew my mind. I really consider myself almost naive to a certain extent prior to that point because after I learned from Zeitgeist, I went around and I tried talking to people, as no doubt so many of us have, and you encounter a very wide range of cast of characters. Some of them are uh, eager to hear what you have to say. Some of them... Uh, kind of think that it's a joke. Some of them are very, very heated about the issue, and some of them are just almost apathetic. So the, it, you get this whole spectrum. The idea for Blindfold came to me after I brought the film to an aunt of mine when I was vacationing in California, and I tried to show it to her with the hope that her being a rational, intelligent individual, she would be able to recognize the merit of uh, the points that were being brought up by Richard Gage. Uh, and at the end of the film, what she said to me, and this just, it was absolutely mind-boggling, was that I cannot believe architects and engineers would put so much effort into trying to convince the world that it wasn't their fault. And this is an intelligent woman who has multiple degrees, and her cognitive dissonance made it so that she was not able to recognize uh, that. That's, that's really the fact of the matter. She could not discern fact from fiction, and that was just horrifying to me. I'd experienced it in other instances, but it's when you try and make that connection to someone who you have a great deal of faith in, who you share a personal connection to, and nevertheless it fails that the the true scope of the hurdle that is the emotional distancing and cognitive dissonance uh, really, really becomes apparent. So that night I was trying to get to sleep and I was just lying there in bed and I kind of just had the idea for blindfold within a, free, within a three second frame and 
uh, I was up pacing around the room thinking to myself that, okay, well, this is a really great idea. I kind of have to move to New York and go to film school now, so that means I need to get an industrial job, and I did. Excellent. Well, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there with cognitive dissonance, and so many people relate to that in different ways and react to that in different ways, so it is interesting to see how different people uh, cope with this information or fail to cope with it. And I think you hit on the very important image, the uh, the title of the, the film itself, Blindfold. It's like a mental blindfold that people are wearing, and how do you get that off of them? That's, of course, the eternal question. At any rate, uh, we'll continue plumbing the depths of that, and if you want to get in with your own thoughts, 1-800-313-9443. We'll be back right after these messages. back to the broadcast friends james corbett here corbettreport.com and tonight on corbett report radio we're talking about blindfold a video that is available on vimeo a short film detailing the story of a widower father and his preteen daughter as they both really try to come to grips with 9-11 truth and the the destruction the demolition of the twin towers on 9-11 and it does a great job as i say of documenting that process and what really the father ends up having to go through uh, in his own coming to terms with that information. So let's start talking a little bit about that and how the film deals with it. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about the story of Tim, this uh, widower father, and and really his own mental blindfold about the 9-11 information. Yeah, sure. Well, the the title blindfold uh, is to symbolize two things. The first is that uh, basically the American, not necessarily government, but uh, media structure certainly is preventing us from... uh, uh, seeing the truth about what happened on 9-11. And the second is that our patriotism as Americans is keeping us from believing the truth about what happened on 9-11. And that's a very important uh, part of the equation. Uh, so with regards to Tim, Tim's character, Tim is the father of a, at the point in the story, a 10-year-old girl, because I'd, I'd made the film roughly uh, 10 years after uh, 9-11. And uh, his his daughter Eve gives the, presentation to her elementary school class that the World Trade Center buildings were brought down as a result of controlled demolition. Uh, and this is something that I think at this point uh, in time, even though I don't give a particular year in which uh, it takes place, just about everyone had kind of heard of, uh, although not really necessarily taken all that seriously. So within the context of how Tim comes about hearing that this is something his daughter believes, which is that she gave it uh, a presentation to her elementary school class, uh, he thinks that it's more a way of her expressing her grief for uh, the loss of their mother, who had died in the attacks, when really it's just her uh, trying to express her opinion about something. And it's that kind of coming to terms uh, with accepting someone as adult rather than treating them as a child that is the surface-level storyline of Blindfold, while people who are uh, intimately aware of this information or who take the time to uh, understand what's really going on see a lot of other layers. And those are very, very deliberately there. Um, so Tim's character is kind of the uh, the virgin face of someone who has to come to terms with those dark realities that underlie much of the common mainstream narrative that is really akin to something more of a fairy tale than reality. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's very much that kind of character, whereby Eve, uh, strangely enough, um, 
she's very much uh, younger than he is, but is quite, uh, uh, oh, I'd say she's very precocious, but, uh, but she's, oh man, I think you'd be able to describe her character better, but... Uh, well, she's certainly very sharp. And she's insightful. very sharp, but it's yeah. that she's, and it's, uh, I slightly based her character on a cousin of mine, uh, because he had lost his father, uh, a parent, at a very young age, and it kind of, it makes you, I don't want to say jaded, because that's not the right word, but it it makes it so that you see the world a little bit more clearly. You recognize loss and vulnerability at an earlier age, and because of that, it helps your transition to adulthood and maturity. Uh, that's something that a lot of kids don't necessarily have, and it can both be a gift and a curse. But in Eve's case, the loss of her mother, and that's kind of how I phrase it within the film, is uh, something that is not keeping her at an emotional distance the way it is her father. And because of that, she's better able to appreciate uh, the fact and reason as presented in uh, the the 9-11 truth movement. That is interesting. And, and really, at the end of the film, um, Tim, the father, does overcome his own difficulties in, in looking at the information. But it does, of course, raise also the, the issues surrounding the 9-11 victims' families and the, the old canard that a lot of people like to throw out immediately. Oh, it's disrespectful to the families to take a look at this information. Yeah, it is. I mean, and that, that's actually one of the really interesting things about the whole, uh, uh, the truth, uh, or the story as it is in life is that the Jersey girls are an example of 9-11, uh, family members who went out there and took an active part in getting to the bottom of this and finding out the information. The problem is, is that when the, when real life goes through the filter of, uh, the mainstream media, it doesn't come out anything like that on the other end. Uh, so, a lot of the assumptions that people make and the respect that they attempt to show to the families and the victims and the first responders and all of that um, is going in the wrong direction. And, yeah, it's really, really tough to uh, appeal to people's sense of reason uh, when those stories have not made it into the mainstream narrative. Sad but true, and uh, unfortunately, it is always, it does seem like an uphill battle, because of course, as you indicated earlier, the establishment media just doesn't want to let any information that would really seriously question the official story through. Um, occasionally, it does come through, but of course, it doesn't get the attention that, uh, that anything that reinforces the overall narrative gets. Yeah, it's true. No, it's too bad, but I mean, it's... Um yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting to think. Like, if you look back at the uh, kind of post-traumatic stress that, uh, uh, in large part, of the world, but especially the United States, was going through in the wake of uh, the events of 9/11, and how long that lingered, and the uh, the the really visceral effect that it had on a lot of people's not only temperament but the way in which they regarded uh, their lives and how safe they were, and then you can apply that same essential. Uh, framework of emotional struggle to coming to terms with the truth of what in fact happened. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see not only as more individuals transition, but especially as this becomes uh, more and more acceptable to talk about and less and less taboo, uh, how we transition as a society and, and if we're able to do so. Interesting, and uh, to my mind, that brings parallels, for example, with the JFK assassination, where the, now the vast, vast majority of Americans don't believe it was a lone nut, but uh, still, that that doesn't even get acknowledged in the mainstream, so it is interesting to see that tension. Anyway, we have one caller waiting on the line, and if you want to get in, 1-800-313-9443. We'll be back with your calls and more right after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network, because you can handle the truth.
I hurt myself today. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Public Report Radio. Tonight on the program, we're talking to Tease Snyder, the director of a short film called Blindfold, which once again is available for free viewing up on Vimeo. And looking at some of these issues regarding waking up to 9-11 truth and the, the pain and trauma that can come with that and how best to present this information to people, etc. Lots of it, uh, very important issues raised in this short film. And, of course, uh, as expected, generating uh, quite a bit of interest in callers. We have a few callers waiting on the line. There's still space for a couple more. If you want to get in with your own thoughts on this issue, 1-800-313-9443. But let's start going to some of your calls and get your take on all of this. Uh, first up, we have Rich in New York. Rich, thank you so much for your call. Uh, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Um, I want to bring some uh, clarity to this whole uh issue with 9-11 Truth and give you a first-hand experience. I, I happened to have been uh, uh, right there on the spot. Uh, I, I was in uh, working on Water Street at the time when this occurred, and I made my way down to the towers because uh, I had seen what happened, and my brother had been working in the towers at the time, although he didn't make it in there uh, ahead of time. He, he, before he actually got in there, the towers were hit. But I found myself at 130 Liberty Plaza, which is a Deutsche Bank building, Probably the last building standing. Um, they actually had a couple of uh, firemen killed up there a few years ago trying to uh, put out a small fire, uh, still finding remains. I sat in the lobby of that building on the phone with my wife. Uh, verifiable records. I was interviewed many times on many shows afterwards. As the first tower collapsed, uh, which was about maybe 200 feet away, uh, we were trapped inside that lobby. Uh, the lobby was decimated. I have pictures of it and everything. Basically, I, I saw many people die that day uh, right in front of me. Firemen, uh, uh, maybe jumped out of a building and landed right on top of a fireman who was only about 50 feet away from me. So my point is, is that that day, it was all in my mind. Uh, a couple days later, I wrote a testimony about everything that happened, and it went viral. Uh, I got an email from somebody who basically gave me the indication that everything that we, what you're talking about today happened, uh, that 9-11 wasn't what we thought it was. And I took it back then very personally, and I was so adamantly opposed to that idea. I was so patriotic, so George Bush is up there, you know, we got to go to war. I was sold. And it wasn't necessarily research that made me change my mind over the years. You have to understand evil. You have to understand the, the human heart and what they're capable of. And as I started understanding that through the years, and understanding also the, the types of things that governments are involved in and, and how they can perpetrate evil to their own cause, it started opening my mind finally to uh, exactly what happened that day, exactly what didn't happen that day. And uh, it brings me to this conversation. It brings me to this uh, interview. And it's a breath of fresh air because people really need to know. But I always have to humble myself and bring me back to that day where I was there and I was part of it, and yet I was blinded. There was a blindfold over my eyes many years afterwards. Uh, but then I, I, I see how God worked through my heart and, and just started bringing the truth to me. And I say to myself, well, when I approach other people, when I talk to them about that, I have an in in a way where I could talk to them because I was part of that. And that gives me credence and gives me an ability to talk about it. Then when I'm about to talk about, well, how what my true feelings are, you know, I have an audience, but at the same time, I have to humble myself and say, okay, if they don't believe this, I understand, because I didn't either. And um, rather than get in their face, uh, just give them some things 
to let them think about. And uh, hopefully uh, I'll, I'll, I'll paint a bunch of these videos, and that will be another uh, piece of the puzzle I'll be able to give out. And I thank you for that. Well, thank you for sharing those experiences. I, I, I can only, I can't even imagine really what you must have went through and uh, how horrific that all is. And I can only imagine how how that would affect your uh, first take on this type of information. So, uh, lots of things to talk about there. But, uh, Tis, did you have anything you'd like to add to that? Well put. I think it's a, a beautiful example of what we all we are all experiencing when it comes to uh, to getting the truth out about this. Is I know very few people who were fooled by who uh, weren't fooled by this at first, and uh, it's it's really really tough talking to other people, let alone coming to terms with it yourself. So, thank you for sharing. Thank right, you. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for that call, Rich. And and I think you're exactly right. I think we can't uh, be too hard on the people uh, that we try to introduce this information to who don't want to take a look at those facts uh, at first, because obviously it is extremely painful, and we all have to come to it through our own understanding. So I think you're right on in that respect. All right, we still have a couple of callers on the line, so let's try to get to all of your calls. First, we have uh, Werner in New Brunswick. Werner, thanks for your call tonight. Good, e- good evening, and uh, thanks for trying to... Uh Shake up the the, uh, the rest of the people that they can finally start thinking and uh, use whatever mind they got left. When uh, I heard about 9-11, at first I was buying this uh, hook, line, and sinker, but then uh, when uh, Ju- Dr. Judy Wood and uh, some of the other guests came on on, on RBN, and <laughs> that's when I started thinking too and started gradually starting putting things together. And uh, what it boils down to, most of the people, they are so ignorant about basic science. And they have been buying for many decades hook, line, and sinker, whatever was be, uh, being uh, spoon-fed to them by mainstream media, especially the television, and by the so-called experts. That's the way, uh, that's the only reason that they may be able to pull off this, uh, this uh, horrendous, cruel hoax on the people. Well, of course, you're right. I mean, WTC7 has always been the Achilles heel and has been something that's woken up so many people to this. But I also like to stress that it's not all just about the uh, the collapses of the buildings, although that does tend to get the majority of the, the attention. I think there's a lot of other things to consider from insider oh, trading I, to all sorts of other stuff. I looked at the basics. Uh, you know, both planes had uh, approximately 200 tons of fuel on, or 200, uh, less than 200,000 liters of fuel. And according to uh, what Dr. Judy Wood stated, only about uh, 200 or 250,000 uh, ton of steel were shipped from uh, World Trade, some, uh, Trade Center number one and number two. But the total amount of uh, uh, structure uh, steel that was in the building amounted to roughly about a million ton. So basically at least 750,000 ton of steel vaporized. And how can you accomplish the vaporization of 750,000 tons of steel with 200,000 liters of jet fuel and whatever is there in furniture and the burnable material in those buildings? It's physically an impossibility. So, Werner, what's your thoughts on waking other people up to information that goes against what we've been told? Uh, well, as I say, we have to come uh, right uh, with writing a fact, basic uh, basic facts and figures and basic science. And this is uh, basically has fallen by the wayside over the years in the school education. Most uh, most of the young people, when they come to school, they are not anymore able to think rationally. 
and they haven't paid enough attention to uh, to uh, basic science, and science is all interconnected. And basically, what comes from the schools and from uh, from the university, most of them they are specialized idiots. <laughs> Well, on that note, Thies, obviously, blindfold revolves quite a bit around the classroom and the idea of this precocious uh, young preteen uh, basically doing this research and, and uh, teaching her class about it. Obviously, the, the education system can can have all sorts of ways that it uh, tries to maintain the status quo, but this uh, story is about someone who's trying to break through that. So, obviously, that's one of the angles that we can take when we're looking at this. And as I say, you know, from the mouth of babes, you will hear truth. And uh, yeah. when young minds, before they are being contaminated by this uh, this uh, basic to- toxic way of uh, of uh, of uh, academic education, mm-hmm. you know. All right, thank you for that. Do you, you have know, anything that you'd like to add to that? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, basically, I think that uh, he's made some very good points in establishing that it is really the failing of the education system on a lot of levels that uh, accounts for people not knowing this really basic information. But at the same time, there's this huge other side of the argument that a lot of people don't want to believe is true, which is essentially that you can believe a lie outright if it helps with your uh, uh, your perception of the world around you. And I think a good uh, a story to illustrate that would be of when the Titanic was sinking. There were uh, brochures that had been printed saying that it was an unsinkable ship and that it could never go down under anything. And there were a lot of passengers on board the vessel that were standing idle by the lifeboats as they were being filled. And the people who were filling the lifeboats were saying, are, are you guys crazy? Get on board. This, this ship is sinking right now. And they said, no, it's not. It's unsinkable. Look, the flyer says right here. So I think that's them choosing not to believe something that is right in front of their eyes because of the power of myth. So we are combating not only the ignorance of the average individual, but the narrative as proposed by the mainstream media and the degree to which that has poisoned and altered people's opinions before they're even able to come to them on their own. Mm. The band is still playing. They're they're moving the deck chairs. It must be okay. Yeah. yeah unfortunately. <laughs> right. No, unfortunately, that is the way it works uh, so often, and they are very good at uh, rearranging deck chairs and other things to keep people occupied. And- you know, it says on the flyer it can never go down. Yeah, yeah exactly. great points. Great points. All right, we still have a couple of callers on the line. We have Chris in Las Vegas. Chris, thanks for joining us tonight. Hello there, James, and what a great show you're having tonight. Well, thank you if for you that. Me, yeah, if you guys will allow me, let me make you aware of a little news blurb I came across today that I think is worthy of note, and it has to do with the uh, Fukushima radio deposits from the uh, jet stream. They were doing a test with a radiation detector in the L.A. area right after a rainfall, and they had background normally of 34, and they were observing red counts up to 160, thereabouts, 168, about uh, 300, 400% of uh, normal, which I find very troublesome. Of course, they claim there's no worry, but I'm not sure we can believe them any more on this than we can on 911. Well, exactly right, and in fact, we've seen time and time again during the Fukushima crisis that they have been either withholding information and or lying about the extent of it, and uh, that's been proven time and again. So, uh, unfortunately, nothing too surprising in, the, in that uh, finding. To your 911 question, if you don't mind me shifting gears, the uh, the main question we would have to ask if we were to believe that agents in our government likely had something to do with this would be, why? What was the modus operandi or the motive for doing that to our country? And if you understand that the Bushes absolutely have CIA backgrounds and Intel co-ops backgrounds, 
and that G.H.W. Bush may have been part of the paperclip project brought over here after the war as the Nazi intelligence uh, super elites of all forms of scientific technocracy and uh, covert operations, uh, medical experimentation, and other demented delusional things that they did in Nazi Germany, allegedly at least. Uh, his ties back to the Hitler through the Scorzani connection has been alluded to, and I believe to be actual and factual, uh, speaks to his being part of the intel inner circle of Hitler and his group that were sent here to reincorporate Nazi America, which I see being manifested before our eyes in the TSA in their form of SS-styled SA or brown shirt-type tactics, uh, secret police stops over on the roadways here in America, and that would be a testimony to the modus and motive of why they did it, to break down America and bring in Nazi Germany. Well, extremely important points, and I hope people will at least uh, take a look at some of that history, the, the, some of the demonstrable history that we have about the Union Banking Corporation and Prescott Bush and his ties to that and funding Hitler and, and of course, uh, how that resonates down through the Bush line to uh, his son and grandson and, of course, uh, George H.W. Uh, Bush becoming director of the CIA, and they they claim he never had any experience in the agency before then. He just suddenly got appointed to direct the agency. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, uh, yeah, there's so so much of that background, which is extremely important. But you raise an important point, which is the why is very, very important for a lot of people when they start looking at some of this information. Well, yes, I suppose that's strange. Well, that's a weird, yeah, they haven't told us that. But why would they do this? And that's one that a lot of people come to. It's almost like they want to put the cart before the horse, and beside, before looking at the data, they just want to know sort of what this all means. So, uh, Tis, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I completely agree with uh, putting the cart before the horse, and that analogy is, is and that's actually in uh, my attempts to try and uh, appeal to people's sense of reason and uh, their ability to distinguish fact from fiction, uh, I've tried to place an emphasis uh, on the science, but all they want to know is why. And they keep asking, and anyone who's done a fair amount of research can come up with answers that answer part of that question but to answer it all, you basically have to rewrite history for them. You have to sit down and go over so many different things that it's an information overload. Uh, sorry, information overload. Um, it's really, really tough. I, I mean, I think it's an important thing to delve into, but when it comes to breaking through to people, they can only handle so much at a time. Unfortunately, so, yeah. Chris, yeah. G.H.W. Bush's former name before he came here was apparently Georgi, G-O-R-G-Y, Schraff, S-C-H-R-A-F, sometimes two Fs. And I think you can find that at bush.com. And, of course, then the Black Eagle Trust Fund is a very interesting link that ties to the gold from the World Trade Center being incorporated into the CIA covert uh, slush funds along with uh, Rumsfeld's three tri- uh, one point, no, $3.1 from the uh, Pentagon that was uh, conveniently vaporized with the records hitting the projectile, whatever it was, in the communications room right behind Navy Intel, who was doing the investigation on what happened to that money. 
Yes, exactly. The Pentagon Budget Analyst Office was what was hit on 9-11. Uh, you raised the, the gold and the, the dump trucks that were found underneath the World Trade Center. All sorts of just incredible, really interesting stuff that a lot of people don't really look at. Look at. And there are, again, so many pieces of this puzzle to take a look at. But on that note, we have one more uh, caller on the line. We have Ryan in Texas. So let's move along to Ryan. Thank you so much for your call tonight. Hi, uh, and I'll try to make it real quick. Uh, as a member of the... Uh, uh, of the military, the U.S. military, as a member of the Air Force uh, during that time period when <clears throat> when uh, 9/11 occurred, um, the uh, the uh, subsequently the the amount of propaganda that was uh, forced onto us as military members was uh, unbelievable. Um, Fox News uh, produced. Uh, these unbelievable uh, uh, mini documentaries about about you know about how Muslims were were going to be taking over the world and uh, over the course of time and and everyone just completely hook line and sinker bought into it and as I uh, went on with you know in my career and, and I'm not I'm not in the military anymore but um, it was just uh, it was just really amazing how people just bought into it and just just uh, really they could not believe anything other than the official story of, of what actually occurred on that day. And continue to buy into it. And in fact, it's becoming more difficult to remember the pre-9-11 era and what that looked like as we've been steeped in this paranoia for the last 10 years. Exactly. And... Uh, well, anyway, I just wanted to give that a little tidbit. I know you're going to break, so I'll let you go. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. And thank you to all the callers. Uh, excellent calls, as always. So let's take a short break, and we'll be back to wrap things up here with T. Snyder, director of Blindfold, right after this. Welcome back to the closing minutes of Corbett Report Radio tonight as we've been going over the 9-11 blindfold and the way that people approach information about 9-11 truth. Obviously a, a subject that touches a chord with a lot of people. And uh, once again, thank you to all the callers for all your input and feedback on that. I think everyone has their own stories of encountering this information and then trying to spread it. So it's definitely something that will resonate with a lot of the people out there. So, of course, for anyone who hasn't watched the video yet and would like to do so, please do so. It is available on Vimeo.com. That's V-I-M-E-O.com. Just go there and type in Blindfold into the search engine. Or, of course, there's a d direct link from my Twitter account, Twitter.com slash Report. It's up there right now. You can go and watch it there. And uh, if you're listening in the archives, I, there will be the show notes for tonight's episode at CorbettReport.com slash radio. It will also have the links to the video, so you can watch it there. Lots of different ways to get that. Batiste, just wrapping up our conversation tonight, obviously this has touched on, on a chord with people, so um, so perhaps you can just talk to the way that this uh, film has so far been received by people out there. Well, the film's actually been received very, very well as far as uh, uh, the reviews and, and response that I've gotten. What's interesting is that uh, as far as... Because there, there's the, the good feedback that you get, and then there's the bad feedback that you get. The only bad feedback that I've gotten is you can go on IMDb where it's listed and you can rate it, either 10 stars or 5 stars or whatever. Anyway, there are, 
I believe, 10 or so ratings up right now. Nine of them are 10 stars, and one of them is one star. So there's really nothing in between. And it's interesting how that kind of reflects what the political bias of someone looking at the film would be. Um, other than that, I mean, I've, I've just, it's won a couple of awards at film festivals. Unfortunately, it got snubbed out of the larger ones, which is what I really wanted to do with it, was to try and just engage people in conversation in the Q&A sessions of film festivals. But it was unfortunately excluded from that. So, uh, yeah, but fortunately now I'm here online able to talk to you about it, and that's, that's just great. Well, we are certainly doing what we can to spread it to others, but it's always a question of trying to uh, not just preach to the choir and people who mostly know uh, that there is something wrong with the 9-11 official story, but, of course, trying to get that out to other people. And I think this can be a valuable tool because just like uh, my, uh, my video, 9-11, a conspiracy theory, has been my most viewed video ever, oh, and it's uh, very, extremely... Very well oh, thank you so much for that. Well, it, it was something that I did almost offhand. I, I didn't put... I didn't. I never expected it to become a viral online sensation. I just put a, uh, together a humorous five-minute video, but I've gotten so much feedback from people who say there's so many people that I've tried to tell this to and they've never huh. listened, but they'll take a really? look at this because that's it's great. Well, yeah. So there's obviously different ways that people can get this information, and it doesn't have to be beating someone over a head with a hammer. It can be something like this: uh, this short film. It can be a humorous thing. There's all sorts of different ways. So that's a very good I, point. Actually, with regards to the the film itself, uh, the the manner in which I chose to approach the subject matter was to uh, be relatively ambiguous about the conclusions that were drawn in, at the end. And uh, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. If you watch it, you'll see what I mean. But Throughout the course of the entire film, I don't mention any of the vast, vast array of information or facts that often fall into the discussion when you're talking about 9-11 truth. Instead, I strictly stick to the emotion, and that's something that I didn't think a lot of other 9-11 uh, truth uh, films or or uh, articles, or, well, not articles, uh, but especially the documentaries that I've been seeing dealt with necessarily. And I think it's great that, yeah, you uh, exactly what you said. It's You have to try different things for different people. Well, that's right, and and that's a good point about this uh, this short film, Blindfold. Obviously, it does deal so much with the emotional side of it and how people emotionally deal with this, and it doesn't deal with the data itself, which actually I think does work in its favor in this case because often it becomes about arguing about this this piece of data or that piece of data instead of looking at the overall picture and uh, and really how it fits together in people's minds. That's absolutely true. I The last thing I wanted to do was to alienate my audience regardless of their belief. I just wanted to discuss the issue and allow people to express themselves, albeit within a fictional narrative, but it is very true to life all the same. I think so, absolutely. Well, excellent stuff. Uh, do you have a personal website you'd like to throw up? Yeah, sure. My website is actually under construction right now, but it'll be up in, it, the old version's up right now. The new one will be up in a couple of weeks. It's www.teace.ca. So it's Tease, my first name, .ca, .ca. which is a Canadian website. Right. We're fresh out of time. Thank you so much for your time tonight, Tease. Thank you.